Today, we welcome to the podcast Emmy-nominated writer, cartoonist, and comedian Daniel Kibblesmith. Mr. Kibblesmith is a staff writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and a founding editor of Clickhole. He has written comics for Heavy Metal, Valiant, and Marvel Comics, as well as a writer for The New Yorker, McSweeney's Press, and Funny or Die. He's the author of Santa's Husband and co-author of the humor book How to Win at Everything, and this March launched the first of a four-issue series starring everybody's favorite giant teleporting dog, Lockshaw, alongside the art team of Carlos Villa, Roberto Poggi, and Chris O'Halloran. Welcome to Adelan Rising. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed the first issue of Lockjaw. What a blast. Um, you know, he has uh, been... A favorite character for long longer than I can remember and uh, you know this is a all of what I could have hoped for in a, a first issue of his solo series was um, delivered here so I really appreciate it I am so so glad uh, I've got to be honest I was a little nervous going on the Inhumans podcast because uh, you know anybody who's read the first issue knows by now that uh, the Inhumans uh, cast is mostly like cameos at the beginning we mostly establish him and then uh, this series is all about him going on a solo mission. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, it, it, I, I appreciated that the uh, the rest of the royal family got at least um, to appear um, before he headed off on his uh, his his trip into, yeah. uh, trip. Um, <laughs> to Earth to, to visit who I assume are his uh, siblings. Um you are correct. Uh, you know, we for a long time <laughs> we uh, uh, we used to battle on this show um, on the uh, matter of uh, Lockjaw. Is he a dog made an inhuman or an inhuman made a dog? The dog um, attitude of Lockjaw is like it's it's the it's the conversation. Yeah. Right. It is the biggest. It is the biggest question, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to hedge. Fun debate. It's a great debate, but it's over. Guys. No, it, is, it really is now. It no, really is I refuse now. to let it die. <laughs> it's it's a it's a fun debate. But so but, you, I take it then you uh, enjoyed uh, issue number six of uh, Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward's Black Bolt. I did very much so. Yeah, um, I thought it was uh, that was one of the things that uh, I was already reading that series, but it was one of the things that um, my editor Will Moss made sure to send me uh, in preparation for. Uh, for the the lockjaw pitching uh, was just getting kind of the status quo on lockjaw and you know what of his origin had and hadn't been told at this point. Uh, so what what we're hoping to do in this series is is tell the the definitive uh, the rest of the story, the rest of the origin of lockjaw. My cool. my favorite, despite not being an inhuman, <laughs> despite being definitely a dog. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, my impression of what took place in in that story, in that that issue of Black Bolt, was that this was a dog that they um, did experiments on. She had a litter of puppies, the biggest of which was Lockjaw, but we never know. We never got to see what became of the rest of the litter or or the mom. No, exactly. Um, yeah, all of that, all of that is still is still mysterious. It's still left to mystery. So, uh, what our series does is, uh, you know, Lockjaw's defining characteristic, you know, all right, that's, that's a simplification because he's a giant bulldog who lives on the moon with a tuning fork <laughs> on his head with a mustache. But one of his defining characteristics, you know, his power is that he's a teleporter. So we knew right away we wanted it to, 
to be sort of a like a buddy road movie and really take advantage of the fact that you know our main character could uh, travel all over the Marvel universe and even into uh, based on you know based on some of the older comics people forget but he can also travel to other dimensions. That's right. Uh, so I completely forgot that actually. Yeah, it's come it's come up a, it's come up a few times. It, uh, I think he went to the Heroes Were Born universe at one point. Uh, Lockjaw, Lockjaw can and does go go everywhere. So I said, uh, I think it was brought up in the um, the Once and Future Kings books. Like at the end, there was that little short story about Lockjaw, and there was there was there's got to be some dimension hopping in that. Uh, oh yeah, the dimension <laughs> of cat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which was the he took Wolverine to the kitten dimension. Yeah. See, so that would be a good example. <laughs> there we go. So we can expect maybe some interdimensional travel in issue three, four, etc. It's definitely a possibility. I would definitely. Uh, Very exciting. If you're curious about, uh, you know, if there's a uh, one of the really cool things we talked about with this with this series was sort of nothing being nothing being off limits. That Lockjaw can go anywhere because uh, he's such a he's such a Gonzo concept. He's such a crazy lovable, weird, unique character that we just wanted to do a story where anything seemed possible. So he can go anywhere, but he ends up in uh, Bushwick, where we're introduced to uh, uh, D-Man, Dennis Dumfrey. Um, now, this was a, an inspired choice, I thought, because, you know, you got Lockjaw, who he's great, but he, he can't talk. So we need a, a point-of-view uh, sidekick for him. And you cho- you chose the Demolition Man, or as he is now known as Depression Man. Um, <laughs> what, yeah, what, um, what led that. you to that? It's an, it was an interesting decision, which uh, it turned out great. Um, I kind of knew D-Man from old issues of Captain America, but um, what I really remembered about him was that his outfit was really ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a... Oh, sorry, I just commented on um, D-Man's costume. It's like a combination of Wolverine, well, the original ones, Wolverine, Daredevil, and it's just weird. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to get that in there. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not wrong. That's that's his whole. That's his whole deal. He's like this hand-me-down hero, made of uh, made of leftover costumes, and you know, uh, just mostly aspiring to be Captain America or uh, you know whoever whoever he's guest starring with at the time. Uh, yeah, D-Man, uh, D-Man was my first choice. Uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big, I'm not a big, uh, Doctor Who guy, but I do, I did know that this was going to be like a universe spanning adventure, uh, that, uh, you needed, uh, a companion to be whisked around and you needed a POV character, uh, to, to sort of make audience observations when your main character is a dog who may know more than he's letting on. So, uh, what I liked about D-Man was that his sort of defining characteristic is that he's more often than not sort of down, down on his luck. And if, if somebody was going to get a dog, if somebody was just going to suddenly uh, have a dog or, you know, have a relationship with a, a random superpowered dog, uh, I thought it'd be really cool to pair Lockshaw with a character who needed companionship. Because that's sort of what dogs are for, uh, and it made sense to kind of on a thematic level just sort of lean into uh, a down on their down on his luck character, somebody who's maybe going through some depression, somebody who has his uh, own issues uh, he's dealing with, 
And uh, in the first issue, he cracks a joke about just wanting to be unconditionally loved. Yes. And then <laughs> a, a few minutes later, a few minutes well, later, the dog shows up. So, you know, I, I don't know what dogs are for, if not that. Sure, I, that's, I, that's why dogs are wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, and again, it's, I, I, I don't know how this is going to come across, <laughs> but I kind of I kind of went into Lockjaw thinking, oh, this is going to be a really kind of happy-go-lucky sort of book where it's going to be really non-serious and that sort of but I was reading it I was kind of like you know this is really defining exactly the kind of person that needs a dog needs a companionship it's like that's that's what they so everybody needs that at some point in their life and I, I it was a lot deeper than I was expecting do you know do you know what I mean um, yeah I'm we've been getting that a lot I mean and that that means a lot to me because it's I want it to be you know the book also has flying hamsters in it's like I, <laughs> yes <laughs> like i want it to be happy go lucky and, and fun and there's going to be a lot of cool adventures you know throughout the marvel universe we're going to play with like a lot of the silliness that we have access to but uh i just also wanted it to come come from a place of, of real feelings feelings that you know people could relate to uh, who can't well, relate a... to a dog seriously exactly. no i'm serious yeah. though like yeah. who can't you know yeah know, or you know Going through a breakup and needing needing something to cheer you up. Great. Yeah. More of a cat person myself. <laughs> <laughs> see how it is, Doc. I see so how it is. Um, stick around for issue two is what I would say. Oh. <laughs> a big reveal on the last page. What well, Lockjaw is actually I'm a looking cat. forward to that. <laughs> That's gonna well, be. Yeah. Is that is that gonna be? I've, the I've made today? fan art of what if Lockjaw was a cat. Um, oh, oh, that's not even what I was thinking. I mean, we were going to get a really good uh, cameo from uh, one of the Marvel Universe's premier cat characters. Character well, he Marvel? Shows up on the he shows up on the last page. It's he Zabu shows up on the, the last tiger. Page. That's right. Yeah, that's oh, true. Shit. Yeah. I didn't see um, that. Uh, and I loved uh, D-Man's reaction to seeing Karzar. Is it Kazar? Karzar? Tarzan, whatever. I say. I always say Tarzan. I always say... Copyright nineteen Edgar Rice Burroughs nineteen nineteen or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I say I say Kazar. I have no idea. Kazar. Yeah, I, don't also, I say Kazar. Kazar. I think that's because British. That's so. The beauty of the of the the rented the uh, written medium is yes. I never had to pronounce you know Rice Agul correctly. Exactly. Um, well, uh, uh, he's a he's quite a specimen, uh, Kazar. Um, in a loincloth and with, you know, abs to the moon. And, and, <laughs> and D Man that. looks at him and he's like, oh, you magnificent beast. It reminded me of the uh, Animaniacs when we had, hello, nerd. <laughs> I, I think there's shades of that. I think if you see, you know, this, this kind of perfect golden god who's been sculpted by his jungle lifestyling. It's okay for your eyes to pop out of your head a little bit. Kazar he, knows he's hot. He knows he's good looking. I mean, he, didn't he like have a fling with Mockingbird? I believe so, yeah. I, I think you're right. Back in the black and white days, right? He's got a cor- corgi named after him. <laughs> Wasn't it um, uh, Shanna the She-Devil as well? Was that not a thing? I think they were Yeah, married. Shanna, they were married. Wild, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Two two specimens. This so this is the Savage Land, um, <laughs> uh, where Lockjaw takes him, um, and I'm assuming that uh, Lockjaw had teleported there. Uh, D Man 
hitched a ride accidentally, and that he's searching out maybe another one of his siblings? Uh, that's a good hunch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, so far, so good. Because in issue one, you know, he, uh, you see him, uh, you know, he leaves uh, basically what happens in issue one, if you haven't you know, picked it up yet, and I'll try not to spoil anything real big, is that he's uh, at home, chilling with the Inhumans, uh, and he hears a mysterious signal. Uh, that he then teleports to Earth uh, in order to in order to pursue. And the next time you see Lockjaw, he's on Dennis's stoop, uh, trying to trying to uh, get in touch with uh, another little bulldog who lives there. Bixby. And the bulldog has some, yeah Bixby, <laughs> and it's Bixby's birthday. Happy it birthday, is. Bixby. He's uh, he's and, much uh, older than much older than me. Um, and yeah, sorry, that's sorry, the weird the weird thing that gets teased is that Bixby is Bixby is suspiciously old. For a dog, and you start to to get the impression that you know he and Lockjaw have some kind of connection, and that Bixby might not be a totally ordinary bulldog. Uh, and if he's got Lockjaw's attention, uh, he's he's definitely not an ordinary bulldog. So uh, if you you know read any of the previous stuff that we put out there, uh, it does confirm that uh, Bixby and Lockjaw are from the same litter, and there's something going on with these dogs. And whatever mysterious signal Lockjaw got. Uh, up in Arctalon, up on the moon, uh, he's he's now checking in on his siblings, right? Because they might be the targets of these of these hamsters. <laughs> these weird hamsters, these weird flying. Uh, <laughs> they're they're hamster balls of doom. Exactly. <laughs> um. So yeah, because when we meet Bixby's um, owner. She's like such a crackball. She's like, oh, well, he's 30. And you're kind of like, well, okay. Yeah, She's sure. also kind of a nut. <laughs> um, right. She says some other stuff that's pretty dubious. <laughs> She's talking well, about gay fro- voodoo. Throwing, a, uh, throwing a, a birthday party for a dog. I mean, that's... A lot of people do that. That's almost dog. becoming normal. Yeah. I, would say, I would say that's on the more normal side of the stuff that she does. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Although the hat is a bit much. I like the hat. I like, I, I like the so hat does that. Does that suggest it's, that it's also Lockjaw's birthday? So yeah. that's that is something that didn't even occur to me until I finished until I finished script four. So we just we just got in we just got in the final script, and it only just occurred to me that uh, issue one takes place on Lockjaw's birthday. Uh, well, the other, I guess, so happy birthday, Lockjaw. Happy birthday, Lockjaw. Lockjaw is the same age as Crystal. Or about. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized that. That's true. I think that's about right. Because we know that, we know that uh, Lockjaw is older than Black Vault. Well, Crystal oh. is. Within, within a year just or so. 30. Isn't Black Vault older than that? Oh, man, you're right. Comics time, everybody! Yay! Comic time is always different. I think I think Um, uh, Mrs. Gillespie, Bixby's owner. I think she's also like kind of old and maybe doesn't know the exact dates. (laughs) I'll take it. There we go. That might be that might be a good no prize solution (laughs) to this problem. Yeah. Comic books, everybody. No prizes in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it also, I mean, it requires readers who are trying to figure out the age of ageless characters. It doesn't always matter. Yeah, everyone is twenty something. But I get it. You know, we try. We we try yeah. to keep it all. You should be able to. You should be able to figure out as much of it as possible and have it all kind of hold together in its internal logic. But 
you know, you're, you're when Peter Parker is 16 for 20 years and then 35 for 60 years, it gets a little, <laughs> it gets a little difficult to navigate. I say, is, is Peter Parker back in high school yet? So, <laughs> uh, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, give it, give it, a, give it a second. The Ultimate Universe is back. Well, let's find yeah, out. true. Ouch. One thing I didn't know, speaking of continuity, is I did not know that uh, D-Man is gay. Was that no. something that was introduced before this or after? Is this that, the original of this? That came in. That came in very recently. That was in. Uh, uh, he sort of quietly came out uh, in this very, uh, I think, tasteful way in. Um, the Sam Wilson Captain America title. Oh, wow. Uh, he's getting oh, ready for that. a wrestling match, uh, and it, you just see him at home with his with his boyfriend. Uh, so uh, that was another reason. Uh, with, with this, uh, in The boyfriend he has in, in Lockjaw is named Chris. I don't remember if it's the same guy that he's seen. No, no, I was uh, throwing out names. Yeah, <laughs> you're not. You might be correct. Uh, yeah. He's, you know, classic underwritten love interest. Uh, mm-hmm. but that was another thing that I made me excited to use D-Man was that he'd recently had this, uh, development in his character, uh, that I think made him feel kind of fresh and relevant, uh, and made me want to give him more of a, of a spotlight. You know, he's this guy who is, is, uh, a punchline or, or sort of like, uh, sometimes a not that tastefully written mental illness case. And, right, um, yeah. there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential for, not even, not even redemption, because that's that's kind of simple, you know, for what I'm into. But uh, like exploration and just humanizing. Yeah, because I, I mean, he was always kind of a cipher to me. I uh, before this issue, I was like, like, like you say, a kind of a joke character. Um, like in the, he was an Avenger for a while, and everyone was yeah. like, oh, this guy. Yeah, he's official. Um, and. Um, but this is the first time I've really gotten to know him, or him, or that he's felt multidimensional, and um, I think it was a it was a, it's a good chase, I, uh, a good choice. I also um, like that you kind of see him hitting rock bottom. You know, his sister thinks that he had tried to kill himself, and he's like, "Oh wow, this is bad." Um, and from there, um, you know, Lockjaw's introduction into his life is just kind of like it it lines up just right for for what he what both of them probably will end up needing. Um, but Lockjaw doesn't directly teleport there. He shows up first at the uh, Crawford family reunion. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, his teleportations are, are a little off in our series, and sometimes it's you know sometimes it's for comedic purposes. Uh, I chalk it up to to the great distances uh, that he's going. Um, but, uh, it also, it also helps that it can throw, it can throw, uh, Dennis into some awkward situations like, uh, say falling out of the sky over the savage land. Right. <laughs> that, that does kind of feel, you know, you mentioned, uh, Doctor Who earlier. It kind of does feel a bit Doctor Who-ish that cause the, the TARDIS was always a little bit unreliable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit yeah, of a Doctor Who And at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's, he's still a dog. He might yeah. not be looking out for everybody's, uh, making, he might not be making the decisions with the, the, total precision that uh, you might from a human protagonist. I've just been hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, Could be on cake. He, uh, so in the, in the back of the issue, you, you kind of, uh, offer up a, an introductory letter 
sort of asking people to send in uh, fan questions and whatnot. Yeah, and, and I'm serious about that. I want to see pictures of people's dogs. <laughs> I will be sending you a picture of my roommate's dog. He is the cutest <laughs> you will ever see. He's got a bow tie. Do it. Mark okay to print. I, want, I, I would love to see the bow tied dog. <laughs> For, yeah, maybe, maybe. It's either going to be the bow tie or you're going to get the moose sweater. Oh, <laughs> interesting. All right, yeah, dealer's choice. I'm good. I'll send both. You can pick. I'll just, in, this I'll, le- in this letter, you, uh, you talk about the history of the domestic dog and how the history of the domestic dog is kind of unknown. They've always yeah. been there. Yeah, not, interesting. not confirmed. I mean, you know, it's it's the usual grain of salt with Wikipedia. But I did think it was pretty funny that when you go to the article called The Origin of the Domestic Dog, the first line is, the origin of the domestic dog is unclear. <laughs> sort of like, yeah. all right, now That's let me look up this thing F. I need to know. And uh, yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know either. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's that's that's really, you know... When you give, when you give, the Inhumans are a family, right? So they have a, mm-hmm. so they have a dog. I don't think it's much more complicated than that. Right. Um, but when you're writing a story about a dog, you know, if you're a writer who's curious about a dog character, I, I think all that stuff is really cool to kind of try to figure out like why people, why people have dogs and, you know, to try to pair them up with somebody who, who really needs that kind of companionship in the moments. Uh, it's a lot of fun opportunities to, you know, to follow, follow a dog's instinct to, you know, to write about a character who's impulsive and follows his appetites and he's kind of destructive and oblivious. And, you know, like you're saying, kind of crashes that, crashes that family reunion. And I'm pretty sure you just described, like, you, you, you just described my dog there. Um, <laughs> because, so just, just, a, I've got, I've got a terrier. I'm just, you know, free, you know, um, and I ordered some comics this week and, uh, they came through the letterbox and he decided to attack the, um, attack the incoming mail. Oh yeah. That's classic. It's just, uh, yeah, that's textbook dog. <laughs> well, the thing that is, should he, be in Wikipedia. He never used to do it. <laughs> so well, maybe he just didn't like that. Those issues you selected. I mean, it, it was yeah. in infinity countdown issue one and you know, well, I won't do oh. it. He's got a, a Michael Allred taste. Well, that's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dog, I, <laughs> I, I'm a huge. Work. Yeah, I love his work. I, I was saying that you'd want. That's the kind of comics I'd want to consume if I was a <laughs> Literally, literally put these inside of me. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I love you so much, I want to eat you. <laughs> But I, I loved your um, I loved your little paragraph about your dog bear, because um, I, I thought that was really sweet. Because that's kind of exactly what you want a dog for is you know to, like that bit about to carry and endure. That's that's kind of I don't I really like dogs, so I, I that one kind of made me feel happy. Yeah, I, I think that's all. That's all. All we're really trying to do is to be true to that feeling. Uh, yeah, for people who haven't read the letter, I, I uh, at the end of Lockjaw Issue One in, in the back matter, you can see uh, some of our. I should say the pencilist, uh, penciler is uh, Carlos Villa, and he's just so amazing and expressive and realistic when he needs to be realistic and cartoony when he needs to be cartoony, and it just works so well for these characters, you know, especially for for the crazy design of Lockjaw and the, the the spin that he puts on it. But um, also back there is a insanely long letter for me. Uh, about oh, it's not that long. <laughs> about, well, thank you, but just about how I love 
you know, how I, I like many, many, many people love dogs. And what we want to do with this story, you know, when the, when a dog is the main character, we want to stay true to our relationship with them. Uh, and just try to, try to explore, explore those feelings. Yeah. It was, it was really, yeah, it was really, it was really sweet and it was really kind of like everybody's, everybody who's ever owned a dog would experience exactly what it, what it is there. So, which is great. So here's a silly question. In a lockjaw (laughs) interview? (laughs) What? Yeah. So you write for the, um, uh, for the Stephen Colbert show, right? Yes. So, does like what did he think when you say I'm writing about Lockjaw? Like, did, does anyone over there think that that's pretty cool, or do they think, oh, really, the dog? <laughs> that's that's a good question. I don't think he knows because I don't know if this will surprise anybody, but he's a really busy guy. Oh yeah, um, I know. <laughs> but he's but but he's also like a like a huge comics fan and like a Marvel comics fan in particular. Um. So it's it's possible that he just happens to happen to you know over here at the office that I was that I was working on Lockjaw, um, but uh, I know that you know I know that he got a big kick out of Black Panther and has been making a lot of Wakanda references on the show lately. And I think like two weeks ago he put on a cardboard Galactus hat <laughs> that he just has wow. in his office. Uh, he, he just he has stuff on on camera. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we have I mean we have Captain America's shield on the set. Yeah. From, uh, awesome. from when Joe Casada brought it to the to the previous show, so wow. So yeah, he's 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 pretty he's pretty unironically into this stuff. Um, I don't know if he knows that I'm writing Lockjaw, but I I believe that he's aware that I that I write you know write comics, and he knows about the Santa Claus book, and we've 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 chit chatted about it. But uh, he's he's a busy guy, and you know it's also. My day job. I don't want to give the impression that I'm not thinking about Donald Trump every second of every day. <laughs> who, who isn't? Waiting who isn't? Jump I mean, on the latest controversy. Yeah. You know, as a as a comedy writer and so, someone who's written a lot about politics, do you think it's that the, all this madness has made your job easier or more difficult? Uh, I what I usually say is that I think it's made the job more um, maybe necessary and in some ways more fulfilling. Uh, because I get a lot of, you know, anecdotal, uh, I get a lot of anecdotal feedback from people that, um, what we, what we do for the show, you know, especially the opening monologue where we kind of like sum up and explain the news, um, it gives people catharsis at the end of the day, helps them kind of keep track of what's going on. Cause I, I don't expect everybody listening to necessarily have my politics or agree with my politics as the kind of standard disclaimer. But what I what I will say is, if you don't if you don't agree with this president of the United States, one of the things he seems to be doing is uh, making you seem like you're the crazy one, like you know, just kind of openly, openly gaslighting. Lying. Gaslighting is the word for it. You know, I never said that. I never did that. That video doesn't exist. Uh, and one of the things that I'm really proud of working at the Google Bear Show is that we are one of the many, many, many people at the end of the day who are saying, you're not crazy. He right. did say this. He did do this. You're not the crazy one. This is textbook gaslighting. 
so that that I'm that I'm very very proud of. So I, I don't know that it makes the job easier or harder. I think it makes it more exhausting. Yes. Uh, because you know you you can never you can never take a drink from the hose. It's always a fire hose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well but but we 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 try to keep up. You know, it's 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 our job, and uh, you know the 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 road rose to meet us. Yes. Yeah. So, so, and at the same time, the uh, the you know, things being so fatiguing in the real world has made uh, escapes into comic books all the more uh, necessary as well. And um, so, I, I, I like what you're doing on uh, uh, on the side as well, um, because it's been it's been tough lately. Yeah, I. I think Lockjaw is probably the least political thing, uh, the least political thing that I work on. Um, is, there's that a, like, is that a nice change for you? Uh, I hadn't really, I honestly hadn't really thought about it. Uh, it's been really refreshing to, to write Lockjaw just because it's, it's my first Marvel comic and I'm, I grew up a big Marvel nerd <laughs> and I uh, love the character so much. Um, Who doesn't love Lockjaw though, really? Yeah, yeah, I I truly think that anybody who doesn't love Lockjaw just doesn't know who Lockjaw is. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was, it was really, really refreshing to, to work on this project for, for a number of reasons. But I, th- I think in hindsight, one of those reasons was that it was just about these really universal themes of uh, family and, uh, you know, uh, adventure like a like a like a vague desire for something uh and uh you know uh a character who's who's going through depression you know like we were joking around capital d depression uh and that's something that i know a lot of comics fans relate to and something that i wanted to sort of address uh in a way that felt uh real uh, and not overly serious, um, but just familiar to anybody who had been going through those feelings. Uh, yes. And then at the same time, I want to see a dog the size of a hippo teleport <laughs> to a secret dinosaur continent. Who doesn't want to see that? I mean, come on. So right. that, that really comes through because you have done it very tactfully. So, and it's very, the, the, whole, the yes. whole stuff with D-Man is, has, is done very well. And it's very kind of, it's not in your face, but it's very informative. If, and relatable yeah relatable like yeah like as he said saying. earlier yeah as you said and it was kind of I, I really enjoyed that so yeah i i know some people were happy some people were not happy that you know lock you were used to seeing if there's a lockjaw story you know he's either going on some kind of adventure with the thing uh <laughs> just breaking things or you know the like thing, right. the pet avengers like something a little more i would i would still read a pet avengers book though <laughs> oh me too me too <laughs> But uh, we knew that we wanted there to be like a human POV character, which meant that that person had to be dealing with human feelings. Uh, and uh, D-Man, I think, is just like a guy who's kind of whose time has come. So, you know, some people are really excited that there's kind of like this stealth D-Man B story. Uh, some people are kind of like, you know, I thought this was just a, a fun uh, goofy cartoon animal book, uh, and I think by the time you read all four issues, uh, people are going to be really happy that it's kind of both. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, most of the best, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, all ages books, they they have um, more in depth stuff than than what you know what you might initially think. So this even is true. even 
even those old Pet Avenger comics, they they tackled some heavy stuff in there. Yeah, it's it's true, and I I know like a lot of my all ages influences are things like uh you know Adventure Time, where the themes are are pretty are pretty heavy, and you can participate it in it sort of like on a couple different levels, you know, depending on whether you're an adult or a kid or, you know, like a, a kid who, or an adult at heart, a kid at heart who loves, you know, right. all, all ages media. Adventure time. Yeah. I've seen some of that. That's a crazy oh, that's, show. That is a crazy show. It's out um, there. Have like you, it. have you, um, speaking of all ages books, because really I, I remember there was an author, um, I think it was Tamara Pierce. And she said once that, um, doesn't matter what, age demographic a book is written for if it's a good story it's a good story and you shouldn't be ashamed of enjoying it and i think there's a lot of people um who feel that way like they they read they say oh the all ages books like moon girl or lockjaw they're they're for kids and really they're not and i don't know yeah kids of all ages yeah i think that's a weird criticism to make about comics because my favorite comics are (laughs) All over the but place. People like, do make that criticism, and I, and I sit there and I go, but maybe you should actually read it, and find out. Just because it's about a little with a dinosaur or a dog that can teleport everywhere doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, but is that much? Is that that much weirder than a guy dressed up as a bat crashing through the skylight <laughs> of, of a charity gala? Like the right. the comics that taught me the language of comics are. Like Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes and Peanuts and you know those were in the newspaper uh, and the the you know the the funny pages are ostensibly like the the closest thing the newspaper has to a kids section but it's also right. like where you know chess and bridge and like the horoscopes end up so I think comics have always been comics have always been sort of this like all ages medium you know like when comics were invented they were sort of like this, like, immigrants in New York tenements reading things that they don't necessarily even need to be literate or be able to speak English to get into. And the important thing about them was that they were visual storytelling and that you were seeing yourself represented. So I think I think you're right about all-ages stories. It's just if you see yourself represented or, you know, you relate to the thing that's being told in some other way, that's kind of all that matters. And, you know, you can frame it as a guilty pleasure if you want, or just as a capital P pleasure. Mm-hmm. But I, I read, you know, I read all kinds of stuff. I'm reading Saga and Squirrel Girl, and I wouldn't give both of those to a four-year-old. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, boy, you just listed off two of my favorite books right there. They're both real good. <laughs> They're super good. I say I've got every um, every volume of Saga so far, but I haven't actually read past the first two pages. But those first two pages are absolutely brilliant. So what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, for a while that was log the off. Only... <laughs> All right then, see you guys. I'll, uh, I'll uh, <laughs> got some reading to do, my friend. <laughs> I always have to. I just got volume eight, and I always have to go back and reread like the whatever the three or four that came before that were uh, to remember what the hell is going on because you know there's like this Game of Thrones sized universe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a mission to to collect Saga in the hardback omnibus editions, and I've got volumes one and two, and they look fabulous. So far. I'll say hardbacks are really like expensive. They're but expensive, but also they they always come out a lot less frequently than paperbacks, which is why I only have very few hardbacks. But that would make them so bingeable, and if I'm gonna uh, read it, I'm just gonna binge it. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, I have I have the three Walking Dead omnibuses. 
But I've still got to wait till like at least July 2019 for the fourth omnibus. So <laughs> it's it's kind of like just give me a paperback any day, and I'd be happy. It's like a real commitment to a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, um, and I, I don't know how much this says about me, but I've got all of my books on my shelf arranged by the um, uh, the kind of like the 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 paper color and the oh my specific oh, wow. printing that it came out in. So like uh, Marvel had this thing with their paperbacks where they're all white printing and they're all stacked together. So all the ones that are the British version of that are all stacked together, and it's it's very OCD. Kind that of. is fantastic. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to just chuck you a that picture is... later on Twitter, on Twitter, but yeah, it's. Uh... I gotta give it up. You gotta give it up for like like the 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 high fidelity autobiographical record collection, like the the person <laughs> the person specific. Like no, these are in order. It's just an order that does not make sense to anybody living outside my head. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it just doesn't it just doesn't work any other way it's just like i look at it and i just get a real great kind of pleasure from the fact that it's all it all blends together it's all great <laughs> so i can i can what? hear it i can hear the satisfaction in your voice right now <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm really i'm far find, too into this now mine. i don't know what mine is i gotta find that i gotta find that magic book order where it's just like, yep, that's right. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll put a picture on Twitter later and just sort of tag everybody in it. <laughs> wow. What's it been like working with uh, with Carlos Villa? He, he's incredible. So uh, I didn't realize that this was his first uh, Marvel book. Uh, and I've gone back and uh, I've bought, but I have not actually yet started, uh, the, the other series he was on before this, Wayfarer, I think it might be called. Um, but he's, uh, incredible. Um, it was really fun, especially in the design process, cause we're introducing, uh, uh, a lot of new ish characters in this kind of, you know, spin offy characters. So if Lockjaw comes from a litter of siblings, we, you know, what you really have are a bunch of bulldog puppies. And it was really important to us that they all kind of look different and express personality. And how but- did they get homes? Because if inhumans bred them, how did they wind up with? regular people that i am not ready to spoil yet (laughs) there we go but uh but what i will say is that roughly roughly every issue on this this buddy road movie between lockjaw and d-man roughly every issue is a a trip to another weird corner of the marvel universe uh sometimes two uh so you're gonna you're gonna find out uh you're gonna find out exactly how everybody got scattered to the the four corners of the marvel universe uh, as Lockjaw goes and, and checks in on, on uh, how they're doing and, you know, seeing if they're in danger from these weird hamster things, finding out who's, <laughs> who's pulling their strings. Yeah. Hamsters Ooh, are evil, so hamsters? I'm glad they're the villains. Hamsters are evil. Can we just get that on the record? <laughs> yes, they are. Like, they're look, okay. Look, look, people will discharge rats till the end of the days, but rats will not bite you. Hamsters are nasty little shits. Excuse my language, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> I... I cursing about on this podcast i, I once had a i once had a, uh, a hamster and i think i fed him too much and he did become basically the size of a rat um just a fun size for uh, fun fact for you um i'm gonna be real did it nice hamster live that long well, my roommate had a pet rat that could fit into his harness for a small dog wow oh my god <laughs> he was huge wow that's disgusting 
not, not like, okay, here's a, but here's he a thought. So he was just like, on you and he, could, he was trained and he could do so, all sorts of cool stuff. I'm like, I don't know anyone who could do that with a hamster, and a hamster's going to bite you anyway. Did <laughs> you have a bad experience with hamsters when you were Yes. Okay. I think, I think we'll leave that one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, the, the, the comic is called Wayward from Image that Mr. Villa worked on. It's terrific. I recommend it to everyone. That's right. That's right. Um, um, so when did you provide him a script and he threw you back uh, thumbnails? How did you guys work together? So uh, for this project, I wrote a full script, um, but everything was, uh, you know, uh, orchestrated by, uh, our extremely amazing editors, uh, Will Moss and Sarah Brunstad. And, um, it was a lot of like pitching an outline and kind of getting a, uh, getting a basic list of the, the characters and, and designs that, that we were going to need. I mean, once we settled on D-Man and Lockjaw, uh, that was a design phase on its own. So, uh, just kind of went, kind of went back and forth, you know, um, once we, once we kind of locked the outline, uh, it freed me up to go off and do full scripts and freed Carlos off to do designs. Uh, and then we checked back in with, uh, checked back in with thumbnails, um, pretty, pretty standard, you know, full script writing process. Um, that's neat. but uh, he yeah, just contributed so much to the storytelling, like, especially in the, I would say in in the, in the designs and in the, the facial acting, um, it just really, <laughs> just really finished, finished this and, and made it feel, uh, like a weird, I don't know. His, his style is so hard for me to pin down. It's like one of those like French Japanese anime ish shows, yeah. uh, with like cool cartoony action, but also like realistic, like anatomy and depth and stuff. And I really, uh, also, quite like the colors uh, done. I, I guess it's uh, Chris O'Halloran. Um, yes. But those electric blues that for the teleporting were just stellar. Um, really pops it up. Yeah, it's so great. When you when you see like D-Man's apartment for the first time, and it's, it's lit by the television, and you just you've been in that room. Like you see him yes. there exactly. Like you know what that room smells like. <laughs> Feet and uh, pizza. Yeah, yeah, it smells like feet and pizza. <laughs> sure, I, I really like um, how that kind of um, that sort of like shadowy, kind of gloomy look, like he used in his apartment. Um, it sort of came across in the hospital scene as well. I've only just like I've, I've noticed it. It's kind of it's kind of the fact that they they start talking about what his sister was afraid he had done, and then the kind of the shadow comes across the scene. I think that's really really nicely. Uh, colored. It's just that I've just picked it up now, and it's really quite a nice, uh, quite a nice part of it. Yeah, the fact that he's able to do all of that moody stuff, and then to to bring it back around to this kind of cotton candy feeling whenever Lockjaw's, yeah, whenever whenever Lockjaw is interrupting that reality when he's just totally, totally disrupted this the real <laughs> world. Uh, and yeah, the the Savage Land stuff is just as great because you know you're on this I can't wait. basically this other planet uh yeah chris did chris did a really amazing job throughout everything and so i, I when, assume that little girl is wearing um wearing a butterfly wings on her coat she's not like a, a mutant or something who has actual butterfly wings you know what i'm gonna leave that open to interpretation <laughs> all right okay good deal <laughs> it um, is the marvel universe a, after all yeah so that's my true question, anything's possible 
going back to the colors, like when you when you send that script to your your inker and he draws it, and then does he tell the colorist what colors to use, or is that honestly? Direct? I have. I have no idea. I wish I was a good enough comic book creator to know that off the top of my head. Cause by then I'm just like panicking about the next script deadline. Um, yeah. but I know that, I know that, uh, Chris and Carlos, uh, uh, talk about the, like the feeling that, uh, that Chris is going for. Uh, and I know the, the editor, uh, obviously is kind of producing the whole thing, uh, as a, as a whole, you know, keeping his eye on the bigger picture. But, um, I think I'm pretty sure most of the decisions are just, are just Chris. I mean, he's, he's really talented and works on like, I think he had like a ton of books come out this month, uh, all across different companies. Um, yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure it's, part. I'm pretty sure it's just mostly, mostly his, his input, you know, his decision-making. That's pretty awesome. That, but in your, in your script, did it specifically say that walk, Lockjaw walks past the room where, where Crystal is, is reading a story to Luna? That it did, yes. That was all that was all specifically chosen. I think I may have I wasn't totally sure what the status quo of the inhumans was when I was writing the script. Uh right. so I, I would No one else does. <laughs> yeah, it's they're they're weirdos. Uh, they've had a lot of a lot of adventures. So uh, yeah, you've got you you've got like, Medusa and Blackbolt in bed together. I did, and I and I asked. Uh, I know uh, Charles Soule uh, as well. Uh, he and I both live in New York, uh, and I I texted him at some point. And I was like, "Hey, they're still a thing, right?" Uh, and we decided, it, you know, at least for the purposes of this comic, you know, it takes place whenever it needs to take place. Uh, that Blackbolt and Blackbolt and Medusa are having some cuddle time at the beginning of this issue. Well. Little pillow talk. Yeah, that's why they did. That's why they forgot to celebrate his their dog's birthday. They were too busy. <laughs> making up. Yep. And it's nice to see Karnak back on the moon. I guess he's been uh, forgiven for his past trespasses and secret warriors. Um, which you know, it's oh, all good. I, I I like getting seeing them all back together because of the way that Royals ended and the way that Secret Warriors ended, it, it kind of was left open ended. Like whoever takes over the series next can decide what's up with these people. So I was I was glad to have a little kind of postscript to things to see that most of them are on the moon and doing okay. Yeah, that was I mean that was pretty much my thinking, you know, that it's 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 comic books. So, like, at the end of the day, the characters tend to kind of gravitate back toward their most enduring status quo. Right. Uh, and, you know, when you're sending your, your main character, your, your protagonist, in our case, Lockjaw, out on an adventure, uh, I wanted to show that he had this kind of familiar-looking home life before his world got turned upside down. You know, before he heard literally a call to action. And it's only a call that he can hear because, like most dogs, it's like really high pitched. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, like um, a dog the whistle, you guys. <laughs> he has a preternatural sense that other people don't have. He's, he's tuned into something, but a dog whistle—that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> sort of a metaphor, a metaphorical dog whistle, a almost yes. literal dog whistle. <laughs> 
So, so this <laughs> this might be a leading question. Uh, feel free to answer yep. it however you want. Um, <laughs> Hit me. Would you would you ever be interested in writing um, a book for you know the the rest of the royal family for some sort of inhuman <laughs> conquest of something? Not conquest. No, don't don't put it like that. <laughs> you know, uh, some story. Sort of, I mean, some, maybe story. I don't see why they couldn't. Uh, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. I love the Inhumans. Um, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I got into comics through my dad's collection and all those comics were, those were just like sixties, like silver age, mostly Marvel comics. Nice. So I didn't know, like, I didn't know that the Inhumans were thought of as like a less famous property or like a, you know, like a, a tertiary. <laughs> Thing. Like I just, yeah, like a niche thing. I didn't know that anybody, yeah, I thought that everybody was on the same footing because that's how the Marvel universe presents itself. Mm, yeah. Um, and I got everything kind of the same way a kid in the sixties would, where it's like, you like Spider-Man. Now here's Daredevil, the strangest hero of all. And as far as I know, <laughs> you know, it's just Stan Lee being Stan Lee. He's just saying like, you love this guy. And I'm like, oh, I guess I love this guy. <laughs> Because uh, you asked for it. Yeah, exactly, in the mighty Marvel manner. Uh, so uh, I love the Inhumans because I loved the Fantastic Four, and they just show up in the Fantastic Four the same way that I love you know, uh, Black Panther. It's just like, here's a guy who the Fantastic Four, you know, or the Silver Surfer, like, there's just, yeah, yeah. there's more Marvel Universe. It just, it just keeps going. Joe, it's weird because um, me and my friends uh, met up for breakfast this morning. We were talking about um, Black Panther because a friend of mine hasn't seen it, and the really weird similarities between Black Panther and the Inhumans are just are, are, are quite uncanny, really. Like the, back, the fact that they're both kind of um, big royal families and uh, monarchy, monarchs and that kind of stuff, and they're yeah, it's a both... kingdom on earth hidden away from sites. Yeah, it's um, and they've both got kind of you know weird sort of backstories and stuff to them, which uh, <laughs> which I I found quite uh, quite funny actually. I thought it quite interesting. Um, it's just a... well, I think it's important to note that w- Wakanda is a much more of a, of a it's a better place. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same well, I, but opposite I, I, then. <laughs> The various Inhumans uh, kingdoms have not always been portrayed as great places for regular people to live. No, sure. definitely not. That is true. I mean, on on the, the surface, the, the the similarities are there, but you know, it's the the detail is in the detail. Devils in the detail. <laughs> that's right? it. Yeah. 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 And that's a very fantastic four kind of adventure too. To just like kind of go to like a Shangri La, to just go to like a, a hidden place in your flying car. Yeah, and yeah. in fact, they uh, they showed up. Right, one right after the other. Uh, the FF traveled to Wakanda, and very soon thereafter traveled to Adelan. And yeah, you can, I, I, yeah, both both seem to be inspired by Last Horizon, and um, just were so fun. I, I love that kind of stuff, and I'm glad that Lockjaw is going to be traveling to the other cool locales of the, of the Marvel Universe, like the Savage Land or wherever he shows up next. I'm, I'm kind, uh, of, I'm kind I, of... I love those places. I'm kind of hoping for Wakanda to come up now, because obviously with Infinity War, um, and there's a scene in Infinity War that almost definitely happens in Wakanda. I've just seen it from the... <clears throat> well, yeah, the caps there. From the... Trailers? I, from, from the, the trailers, trailer. yeah. Um, I, I kind of, it I turns kind of, out that if you write one Marvel comic, they don't then let you watch Avengers movies early. Oh, I what? asked... 
I know. I asked, and they, the and they said, no, it's, that's not a thing. You don't write one Marvel comic, and then you can see all the Avengers movies six months early. You should, uh, you should come to the UK just for that week, because we get it, we get it on the 26th. <laughs> no, we're getting it the same Stop time there. you are. They're doing oh, the that's right. right. Nope. Nope. They, they the pushed States, it. They pushed right. it. Yeah, but they pushed it back again, uh, forward again for us. We oh, know. are you serious? Yeah, we get it the day before. All right. So, uh, well, no, we do. Well, we would get it. Well, generally here, like if the movie's supposed to release, like Captain Marvel next year, as an example, is releasing on International Women's Day, which is a Friday next year. Yep. But we'll still be able to go on Thursday night to see the movie. Yeah, but you get it. You get it open on the twenty seventh. Uh, we have it open on the twenty sixth. I see. So you're a, you're ahead of us. Yeah. The world. Um, it's the so world many ways. Running. I'll send you. Send in you. So many ways. Well, yeah, but then again, in so many ways, we're not. So. <laughs> yeah. No, fair enough. Well, I don't know. I mean, why would you write for Marvel if they don't let you go see the movies early? I, it's, you know, it's, it, you're right. You're right. I'm calling it. Issue one and done. No. <laughs> no, I need you to see. You no, should write other ones. Who else would you write if it wasn't an Inhuman? Who else would you write? Uh, you know, we 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 talked we talked about some stuff. So I, I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything. But like basically anybody. That's the that's the problem with growing up a big Marvel nerd and suddenly getting to play in the sandbox is that. Uh, I talked to Will about, you know, if, if there was ever opportunity for me to do something else, obviously I would love to. Uh, and uh, when pressed for a list of characters, it's, it's just everybody. Cause I think they're all interesting. Uh, I think that uh, especially if you just dig a little deeper than I'd love to do something else like Lockjaw, somebody else who maybe hasn't had, you know, Lockjaw and D-Man, somebody who hasn't had their own title uh, who you could get to put sort of like a defining spin, defining spin on. Like the fact that I'm doing a, that I'm writing a Jack Kirby character and we're the team yeah. who gets to decide the origin of That's that character cool. is not, is not lost on me. Um, mm. so any opportunity to, to, to do something like that, to look in sort of the, the secret corners of the Marvel universe. Cause that's, that's ultimately like what this, what this series is about. It's just sort of the overlooked people in places. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you 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 show with I mean even with D Man that it's not always the character so much as it is the writer who brings them to life. Because yeah, or just or just you know me get me getting the opportunity. Like I know there's a lot of D Man fans out there now that I've started writing a D Man story, <laughs> and those people <laughs> probably wouldn't have spoken up right. uh, if someone hadn't taken them off the shelf like that. It was kind of like how uh, Dennis Hopeless took Roger Gocking and plucked him into Spider Woman, and everyone was like, "Really?" And yes, then turned exactly. him into a really great character. Exactly, oh, Porcupine. Right. Yeah. We're all, you know, we're we all grew up fans first, uh, so we all have the, the the characters that we've always wanted to, you know, do something with. I think that's that's yeah, also yeah. something that that just Marvel in general, all the writers in Marvel at the moment have done really brilliantly well. Um, I mean, you've had like, uh, like we mentioned, Secret Warriors earlier by um, was it Matt Rosenberg? You know, that was yeah, a, yeah. that was a really good story, and that was it was written really well. It was because it was written really well that it really worked. And I think I think Marvel have got a, um, just a whole host of excellent writers at the moment, and I think that they really need to keep hold of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> To be honest, it's it, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. The day you know the day job gets in the way, but I'm I'm trying. Uh, I'd love <laughs> yeah. to. I'd love to do 
as 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 much as they will let me. I'm down to do as much as as much as they have room for me. Did, now, did well, they, come, they 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 came to you to write, or did you make a pitch to them? I was floating around. Uh, I'm the writer right now of uh, Quantum and Woody for Valiance, uh, and I had uh, done a, a thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm also a really big fan of those guys. Uh, oh yeah, I, we we we've had uh, J- James Asmus on the show, and we I love Quantum and Woody. It's uh, those two are hilarious, and and they're going to be what in a TV show? That I truly know nothing about. Uh, same deal as same deal as the Secret of, Secret Avengers movies. For some reason, they don't just let you in on all of their big their big tentpole uh, franchise. Oh, yeah, I know it's a drag. But I'm a fan of Quantum and Woody. Those, those two are hilarious. Any any yeah, time, any comic involving a goat that is cognizant. <laughs> and that's I'm Asmus for. sent me a message and said, "So are you only doing science fiction animal comics now? Are you only doing <laughs> that's, that's niche? That's powered pet comics? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's right. I got to do uh, Lockheed after this. Would be uh, I would do Lockheed in a second because I love Excalibur. So I would do a Lockheed. Needs her own comic. Who does? Captain Marvel's cat, Chili. Oh, yes. Yes, in a go. second. And yes, and to the same extent that you are anti-hamster, I am pro-goat, so um, if you're, if they're you're just pro, lovely animals. If you're pro-goat, there is a, a festival called Goat Fest. Um, that is, yeah, that is, uh, that is te- uh, takes place in Wiltshire in the UK. Um, There's also a goat Twitter. Huh? There's goat and coat Twitter. Oh, I didn't mean it in a, like a weird way, guys. I just think they're nice. <laughs> no, no, genuinely, right? GoFest is brilliant. Cause it's no, like I think a, we're all like in the, I think we're on the same page. Goats are pretty cool. I love yeah, it. Writer of Quantum and Woody over here. So. That character just cracks me up every time. I love the goat. So, uh, so yeah, we just had the we just had the secret origin of the goats in uh, in issue in issue three uh of quantum and what he has it were so it's the one with the hologram cover of uh the holofoil cover of the goat shooting eye lasers uh, right at you i need to uh, look that brilliant. down yeah i need to look at that, that <laughs> yeah i highly highly recommend that goats that go to aficionados check it out yeah there's a doc a goat fest yeah i'm on it um <laughs> oh dear well, um, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for Lockdown Number One. I can't wait for Number Two. When it, when should we expect that? Uh, number Two comes out next month. I just realized I don't know. I don't know the exact date. I'm going to say it's probably the third Wednesday. Well, this uh, it says on the back of the uh, back of issue one, twenty uh, eighth of March. Great. Right. Yeah, because the last one came Not out. Not being resourceful. So. That's this month. Great. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you'll get it every every month every month uh, for the next uh, three more months. Uh, uh, it's a it's a tight little four part miniseries. Um, I can't wait to see it collected in one book because I think it's I know, be a pretty right? fun thing yeah. to give people to. You know, uh, I'm I'm a, a recent uh, lifelong comics fan, but recent comics writer. So everything that I've done so far, I've tried to really make sure it's the kind of thing you could give to somebody who doesn't read a ton of comics. And have them just, you know, be blown away by the the concepts and relates to the personalities. That's awesome. So I have a question. One final question before we go. (laughs) Do you have the Lockjaw Funko? No. But, but, uh, there was a plush. Yes. Uh, There was the Funko. I I don't know if it's actually Funko brand, but there was this, there's a stubby little plush 
And uh, my sister, drew, we draw names in my house for Christmas presents. And uh, nice. my my sister drew my name, and I asked her to get me this this lockjaw uh, plush to inspire the scripting. <laughs> and then I saw it later uh, on Instagram, and my mom kept it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Cute. That she she held on to it. Is it so, is it the little one or the big one? It's a little one. It's yeah, the one that's yeah. the size of uh, you know like your fist. But uh, yeah, I've got so but it's it's okay. Your, your Christmas present. It's okay. He's still you know he and it's locked, Josh. So I'm sure he'll he'll teleport his way uh, here any any day now. <laughs> I've got him at the office, and uh, he gets lots of play from the kids who come in. So uh, it's a good a good toy. He's a hit. He's a hit. I might, I might have to take mine in and put on my <laughs> desk at work. Yeah. I have the flock girl from uh, Comic Con. He's still in a box. I'm not sure what I want to do with him yet. I love that it's called that. <laughs> See, I, 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 I Rare managed, opportunity. I managed to get hold of one in the UK, but it was uh, it was the um, the Autumn Fall exclusive model. So, like, yeah. Yeah, the Fall exclusive. Yeah, Fall Con but exclusive. It's flock these, are, these are the bobbleheads? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if there are if there's seasonal exclusive models and you guys are deeper into yeah. Funko lore, well, <laughs> I, I probably was will ever lucky be. enough at um, very Comic intimidating. Con. I was lucky enough at Comic Con to win the raffle to get into the booth. <laughs> oh sure, and that's just <laughs> so, to get in the door, right? Because there's all my right? They were like, no, they do. So you sit there. They're like, so you when you sign up for New York Comic Con, they say, look, you can. These are the raffles for the panels that, you know, you have to win to even get into them. So I was like, well, okay, I'll do the, this one and this one. I said, oh, what the hell? I'll do Funko too. And um, I won. Yeah. I was like, well, crap. I get to go on Saturday and I missed the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. But what was I, – I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't even admit doing this. But, like, I'm standing in line and people are going – yeah. I'll give you like twenty bucks. Can you get me this one? Keep the change. I made an additional like fifty dollars. <laughs> did you did you announce that in your taxes this year? By the way, <laughs> that's all under the table, my man. That's just side hustle. Yeah, and they would just it's the me gig economy. And like, here's what I want. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, Believe you know, me, you are not the you are not the worst when it comes to overcharging people for collectible Funkos. You're not even in the top I wasn't fifty. Even charging no. them, people were giving me twenties, going, <laughs> "I want this one." Did anyone ask you to get that one yet? And I would say, "No." They're like, "Okay, here's twenty dollars. A Funko's fifteen. Keep the five for your trouble." Did you? That is uh, so Keep the king for your trouble. And I was like, "Are you serious?" They're like, "Yeah." So I made fifty bucks. So this year, are you going to take a notebook and like a, an order form? I don't know, and, uh... <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's but... my two favorite things. I mean, those are the two things I think that sum up Comic Con better than anything. It's uh, fans bonding, like total strangers bonding over their pop culture loves, and uh, weird side hustles to make a lot of money <laughs> off of collectible. I wasn't even trying. Like I was just standing in line, minding my own business. No, like, but you can't help it. The con thrust that upon you. Right. <laughs> That's just the nature of that place. Right? Honestly, and I, you're and I honest. sat there and I had like 15 people waiting for me at the end of the line and we like go and I had this huge Funko bag you could fit like 10 bodies in. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they all know each other now. They're all waiting on the same person. Right. And I go, okay, which one of you got the little flocked orange dude? Which one of you got the shiny Batman? I don't like Batman, so here. 
And then I said, uh, and then someone wanted the dragon sword, and, and I was like, no, I'm taking that one. That's for me. So I'm not buying yeah. it you. And he was mad. But that's a finder's. That's a finder's fee. You're allowed to keep anything. <laughs> yeah. In the mysterious chamber of Funkos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, <laughs> is, is, that, is that the new Harry Potter story? Harry Potter in the mysterious chamber of Funko Pops. Mysterious chamber of Funko Pops. Yes. <laughs> there's a real rare. There's a Bracken Zorak in there, and I'm trying to get. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now you know right. the, the underbelly of NYCC is all. In oh, I, I I'm experienced it firsthand. That's my hometown con now. So. It's amazing, though, isn't it? It's so much it's fun. Great. It's great. It's crazy, but it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know for sure coming this year. I really want to. I want to, too. But you know what, though? Like, I've been to not that many cons, but enough, and I love their little pass system. It's just, I don't know, scan your badge, go, and it just makes it so much easier to get into panels. So then you don't miss the rest of the comic con yeah that's that's for the best i feel like sometimes you're sacrificing your whole weekend to see one movie trailer and that kind of bumps me out so i've never even tried to get into panels i just i just walk around i think nyc yeah, that's what i do when i went to the, just go to the the, the booth and see the artist alley and whatnot i really want to go to nycc um but I think I'll go. Uh, I said I said I wanted to go last year, but didn't manage it. I wanted to go this year, probably not going to manage it. So I might have to say 2019. I'll book my flights at the end of this year. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> now we know. Yeah, that's my schedule. Mark your calendars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam's visit to the U.S. Yeah. You will learn what proper pizza is. <laughs> and then I will learn. I learn what. Rubbish, right. True. I, I learn what bad everything else is. Sorry. No. Well, wait, now, Mr. Kipplesman, like you're, you're from you're from Oak Park, right? Oak Park, Illinois, a little bit outside Chicago suburb. So you know Chicago pizza, then? It's not pizza; it's casserole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who wrote that joke for the Daily Show, but it was perfect. You asked me. You asked me if there were any questions that I wouldn't answer because I wasn't allowed to, or there was too much controversy, and I'm going to avoid weighing in on the New York versus Chicago pizza debate. <laughs> that's pulling that card right now and using it here. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to, I'll go to New York and then, I'll, and then I'll go see Doc in Chicago. And then you are in Chicago, aren't you? Um, yes. And then and then I'll, I'll try both and uh, make a decision for the for the ultimate decision on <laughs> whether or which one's better. Totally unbiased. <laughs> I, I respect I respect your uh, your position. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. I'll make sure I try and do that. Doc, expect a visit from me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you seem My really enthusiastic. <laughs> no, no, no I, uh, of course you're always welcome here. Um, uh, I, 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 even though a lifelong Chicagoan, I actually prefer New York pizza. Good. There we go. <laughs> okay. Sitting quietly, minding my own business. <laughs> There we I, go. I just tried Domino's. That's that's as far as I bring thought. the bring on the hate mail. I'll I'll spare you guys that. I'll spare me that. <laughs> right. Joke right? tweet angry tweets. That's like the pineapple on pizza debate. We'll not go on that. D- don't. But anyway. do you think with just don't with the name Kibble Smith that you were destined to write Lockjaw? So uh, predictably, people have brought this up, and I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> I, think, I think that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I was predestined 
Uh, at the very least, I do, I do love that though. At the very least, I do love that my first, uh, my first, uh, opportunity writing a Marvel character, uh, at least we get one really good interview joke out of it. Uh, <laughs> if nothing else. I never else. actually even thought of it, so it didn't even occur to me. Uh, don't you know, worry. Enough people have. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Make up. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine, obviously. Enough people, enough people have brought it up. Uh, no, I, I think it's, I think it's funny. And, mo- mo- you know, most importantly, I just want people to read it. So if there's any kind of like weird, memorable detail, uh, that, you know, can like turn this into like a narrative, uh, for people to latch on to, to know that there's a Lockjaw solo title on the shelf right now, <laughs> um, I'm all, I'm all for it. I'll change my name to Daniel Lockjaw Smith. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I can assure you that there's uh, my nieces and nephews will certainly be getting this one because they they always love what I bring them and this is I they they're trade readers um, they, they read the trade paperbacks and so when this is com, uh, put into TB trade form that's definitely going over there and I know they're going to dig it. Yes, yeah, so. really really appreciate it. Yeah, it is an all ages book, so you know. Uh, if, if you like any of the stuff that we referenced, you know, Moon Girl or, uh, Squirrel Girl, uh, this is very much on the table for you, but also just if you're, uh, a big Inhumans nerd, which I imagine some of your <laughs> listeners probably are. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so am I, uh, and I wanted to make sure that, uh, uh I got a chance to, to play in my sandbox. That's, That's awesome. I think Karnak gets the best cameo. I'm a big Karnak fan. Man, you know, right? Karnak He's was cool. not a character I really liked until um, Secret Warriors. Well, that <laughs> and Warren Ellis's Karnak. Yeah, yeah. His interpretation is uh, that's. I'm definitely taking some cues from that, but I want it to be this sort of like synthesis of all my favorite Karnaks. Yes. Yeah, he gets a character. good. What, what, he gives them all. What is? I like his cereal. Oh, he's eating a uh, Wonder Man, Wonder Man sponsored cereal. Yeah. Wonder Puffs. Wonder Puffs. <laughs> that's what it is. I wonder if that would count as a Wonder Man appearance in the Fantasy Comic League. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Why not? <laughs> pictures on the box. I'm saying yes. Excellent. Yeah. Daniel Kibble Smith has spoken. Yep. I'm taking it. Put yeah. it on the board. You you go and persuade them with that, Saren. I'm going. I'm going to Sean with that one. Okay. So. All right. Anyway, thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was awesome. It was really nice talking to you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on the show again with, uh, hopefully you get to write more Inhuman stuff and we have you on the show again. Um, So, uh, thanks. That would be, yeah, that'd be tremendous. All right, talk soon. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.